Not My Forte, a super soft podcast. I'm Megan Cottrell, your host. And Amber Franson, your co-host. Welcome to season two finale. I'm so excited. We were just talking about how impressive we are completing two full seasons. (laughs) We were, you know, we just get into conversations about how impressed we are with ourselves. (laughs) We're each other's hype man, Megan. We are. (laughs) I'm very excited about this one. I enjoyed this one more than I enjoyed the last one. And I... I enjoyed a lot. It's a, it was an 11-pager for me. I, get, oh. I got a lot of notes, but I watched it three times <laughs> in between yesterday and today, and some things kind of not bothered me, but stuck out that didn't as much when I first originally watched it. I guess before we jump into all that <laughs> stuff, let's do the hard facts really quickly. Season 2, Episode 6, which is the 12th overall episode, Season 2 finale. Again, this was a Christmas present to everybody. <laughs> Jared Kiso and Jacob Tierney wrote it, and Jacob directed it. This one's called Finding Stormy a Stud, and that's pretty apt description. This is a straightforward <laughs> Yeah, it, it kind of tells you what's going on in the episode. It's not too crazy. They did do a little synopsis. Tension rises around Letterkenny while Wayne looks for a stud to breed with his beloved German shepherd Stormy. Tension rises. I love that it's like a town-wide discomfort kind of thing that this dog won't (laughs) won't have sex with the dogs they're trying to get her to. Everybody's upset about it. It is kind of interesting that they almost make it seem in that description like it would mimic the season one finale, but it's not in any way the same really well they are people that are hyping themselves up for a fight so i guess there's that the word donnie brooke is used there's a lot of repetition in this episode in the overall atmosphere atmosphere oh gosh we're gonna start this again (laughs) of the scenes you know from cutting from one scene and then you leave and go to somebody else but then you go back to the scene and it's very repetitious did you notice that no, but now I didn't notice it while I was watching it, but now that you're saying it, I can see that. I'll be more specific when we get into it. But I guess before we get into all of that, all of the details, we should start with Previously On. Previously On, Not My Forte, a super soft podcast. I did a little research, mm-hmm. and the first thing is the season one bachelorette is the, two, is the couple... That's still together. Trista and Ryan. Trista and Ryan, yeah. For somebody who didn't watch the show, those are names that I recognize from like People magazine covers. (laughs) They're still together and they have two kids. Good for them. And season one. Season one of The Bachelorette. They've been together for, I mean, probably a decade then. It's been a while. Good for them. There's 25 seasons of The Bachelorette. (laughs) 263 episodes. And there's 16 seasons of The Bachelorette a lot of group dates storage wars is also still on the air storage wars that's what it's called (laughs) and there's eight seasons of it no way it feels like there should be more than really that That seems like a lot to me for i like i knew that it existed i guess i just hadn't realized it existed for that long it really is a lot in my mind now seasons can almost jump on top of each other like the bachelor season and a fall season like they can do two a year rather than just one a year i feel like they do that with things like the voice Mm -hmm. where it's just it feels like it's right back to back Mm -hmm. so in a regular old you know once a year season it's it's not really. It's a pretty good run. Duck Dynasty, from what I could find, didn't get sued. 
didn't get sued? Did they get canceled? Yeah. They is it still on or is it did done? Get, I don't know if it was canceled, but it ended in 2017. Okay. And people are or were at some point suing them, but it wasn't related to the, <laughs> the show. The banning of homosexuality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Blowing up beaver dams, PETA probably sued them. <laughs> and they did blow up a beaver dam. Oh my God. Yes. So... I guess for them, that doesn't seem like a horrible, horrible thing to do because they make duck calls, right, for, like, duck hunting. So yeah. the slaughter of innocent animals <laughs> is not something that phases them, apparently. Yeah, and I couldn't, I mean, I didn't look into why, why the they reasoning the was. They were just bored that day, but that definitely didn't happen. Oh, my gosh. And that is it on previously on, so I guess we'll jump into the cold open. So you're having Thirsty Thursday with your pals the other day. Wayne hates Dan's six-year-old cousin, Samuel. <laughs> He's so mean about kids. It, it was so aggressive. It was. <laughs> and Daryl says he saw Samuel do a dry rip of Fun Dip on his fifth birthday, i.e. a practice run before taking it intranasally. Hmm. They established that doing a dry rip of Schneef is a sure sign of a problem. Hoofing which is taking it up the pooper, <laughs> is the next step. Samuel has already been taking Fun Dip orally and intranasally. Dan leaves to check on Samuel. <laughs> leaves to check. So my first thing that I put was Thirsty Thursday is something that's observed in Canada. <laughs> that's an international across all languages and countries. We all observe it, and I love that. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> He, it's so weird. Wayne hates this kid. He, I mean, not just like, eh, you know, I don't really like him. He's like, I've heard of. Hate Samuel. Aggressive. Yeah. yeah. About it. It's almost rude because Daniel is his I know. Dan's so talking about my niece or nephew like that. I feel like I wouldn't let them. Even if, I have a couple of annoying nephews. I can say that because I know that none of them hear this podcast. They can be kind of annoying, but they're kids. Don't say that you hate my nephew like that, that especially. Yeah. That seems like an opinion he could have kept to himself. Yeah. It just Wayne is very weird to me in this episode. A lot of weird decisions and his attitude just seems weird to me in a lot of places in this episode. Did mm. you pick up on that? Yeah, a, a few times he's... Which, this whole season, I felt like he's kind of been off or different than he was kind of made to be in the first season. You know what yeah. I mean? Like... Because we've talked a lot about like, oh, good guy Wayne, oh, core values Wayne. And then I've noticed that it's been a repetitive thing in season two saying like, oh, Wayne, do better. Why are you being like this this yeah. episode, Wayne? what a weird thing for you to do. Oh, and along with that, Josh and I were talking about it the other day, specifically because we were watching an episode in season one. It might have been the very first episode again. Mm-hmm. I don't remember why, but... <laughs> Just because. Just because, because it's great. First of all, he said, oh my, that audio, because, you know, he's an audio guy. It's like, there was probably only one microphone in that entire room. <laughs> but Derry is a lot more sassy in that very first pilot episode. He's not as gross. He, he was and, gross again this episode. Yeah, he was gross this whole episode, which was kind of annoying to me again. But, I thought of you every time that he was gross. I was like, oh, Megan's going to just hate this. But you, you remember that first scene we we meet him and Katie says they're starving kids in Africa or something like that. He said name 10. Uh, and I thought that just made me think, gosh, he really had a lot of more smart, quick 
He was witty. Comebacks. Yeah. He was more witty in the, yeah. in the pilot anyway. And now I just feel like he's just kind of the gross, weird, awkward friend. He's been downgraded to like a lesser version of himself. Yeah. And it yeah. makes me sad because I miss smart, sassy, witty, yeah. sassy Derek. Yeah. We like those sassy ones on this show. But also, I mean, I like, which I know this show can go back and forth. It can have intelligent humor and it can also have bottom of the barrel potty humor. <laughs> but there's something to be said about being funny while still being intelligent. I really, really like humor like that. And he has gone from being kind of quick-witted to just kind of... Dumbed down? Yeah. That makes me sad. Wayne says that he saw Samuel and the cat in the dryer room area, and he yeah. was concerned. He doesn't say he tried to stop him or that he got the cat out of there or anything, though. <laughs> he seems like a person that would be like, uh, cats. I don't yeah. care about cats. Yeah. In the same way, he's like, I don't care I about don't, kids. I don't care about your kid. I don't care about your cat. <laughs> you have a lot of animals. Do you have any weird animal kid stories? Well, I mean, Scarlet's always been good with animals. She's kind of been like an old soul crazy cat lady since she was like four. Mm -hmm. Dexter, he's more aggravating with it. Like he likes to lay on the cats and sometimes they let him and sometimes they'll run away. And he's yeah. like, why are you running away? I just want to love you. He likes to try to jump on Quill, not like jump on him like a trampoline, but like jump from the couch and like kind of land on him to cuddle him. To cuddle him, but still, it's like, you can't <laughs> dot, jump dot, on dot. him, Dexter. Like, <laughs> you just, yeah. <laughs> you have to be sweeter, and so, sometimes he's fairly aggravating, and sometimes... He's never tried to put any of them in the dryer, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then they talk about fun dip rips. Where is this kid's parents at? I know. Wh whose kid, as a six-year-old, or five-year-old, is snorting fun dip? I will say... I just said that and it, it like flashed back to a memory. I knew a kid in elementary school and I didn't think of it while I was watching this show. I didn't think of it until just now, but he crushed up a Smarty one time, you know, like yeah. the little kind of flavorless candies. He crushed up a Smarty and snorted it in like third grade. Old and enough to know better. Yeah. These other third graders, including myself, were like looking at him like, why are you doing this? Like, stop being an idiot. <laughs> But I guess there's kids out there that do that kind of thing. <laughs> I never heard the term dry rip before this. I hadn't either. I wrote, Wayne is unfamiliar with all the drug lingo because they keep saying things. And he's like, well, what is that? Well, what is that? And Dan and Derry, man, they know their lingo. They do. They know what's what and what encompasses and where it goes. But <laughs> yeah, I feel like Wayne, I was pretty lost during this conversation. Yeah. Wouldn't have been able to add much to it at all. I had down... It's almost like they broke Wayne when yeah. <laughs> they were explaining the, did they call it hooping? The, hoofing? Up the pooper one? Yeah, up he goes. He so blinks you, so hard. I know, it's like he's, when he blinks, he's equating things in his head. Okay. Okay. It's like he's, he's trying to process it and it's not quite happening. He just looked like he was broken when they told him that. Like, no, I just, I can't. And I'm assuming Dan and Derry have done this at some point. Did they say that they had? Uh, I can't remember. I feel like they have. I feel like even <laughs> if I didn't say it, they have. Based on all their back and forth on all the places that they've hoofed the schneef, I wouldn't be too surprised. Yeah. They seem to know a lot about it. We found out that Wayne was into Pokemon when he was younger, yeah. <laughs> which is so weird. His first all-nighter in eighth grade. And his friends, JP and J-Dub, 
We're talking about fun dip dick dingers. Why is that a topic of conversation? What a weird thing. I can't even see Wayne eating fun dip. He was talking about that with the fun dip, not the schneef. Yeah. So why are, and I'm assuming these are adults because Wayne hates kids and I can't see him being friends with them. But yeah, why are adults doing that? I don't know. Very if you're strange. an adult, at least use the cocaine. <laughs> I had a thought that I bet Wayne could only stay up real late and play stuff like Pokemon. and like, If at, he was at a friend's house. Yeah, at a friend's house. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was in elementary school. Whenever I would spend the night at my friend Angela's house, her mom was a nurse, so she was usually either not there, because this was the 90s, so you would just let your kids go over to the friend's house, even if their parents weren't there, or she was a night nurse, so she'd be asleep during the day. And we could stay up all night. I remember we were allowed to drink soda over there. That was a big thing, because I wasn't allowed to drink soda. And we watched Jurassic Park, an interview with a vampire. And those were two movies I wasn't allowed to watch because <laughs> I had a strict Wayne upbringing. I love, it even was, to this day, I love Jurassic Park. I do too. <laughs> it was it was one of those like, oh, I can do this over here. I can stay up all night over here. It was like freedom. Exactly. Yes. yes. <laughs> that one wasn't one of the best cold opens yeah, for me. I wasn't overly impressed with that. I did like when Dan finally, he sits there and he thinks about it and then he gets up and leaves to go check on this kid, which he needs to. Apparently his parents aren't. There's a lot of Uh, jumping up and leaving in this episode. There is, yeah. And Wayne just says, I've heard of. And hate Samuel so much. It's like he just dwells on it and it just radiates from him. I wonder who he hates more, Samuel or Stuart. Hmm. I feel like Samuel. Maybe Samuel because he outright says how much he hates him. Often with Stuart, I wouldn't be surprised if he said he hated him, but I don't know if he he doesn't say it outright as much as he does with this yeah. kid. And I feel like with Stuart, he's let him live at his house and kind of maybe broken that ice a little bit with yeah. Stuart in some way. I wouldn't say he's warmed to him, but yeah. he can tolerate him a bit better. Yeah. And that's it for the cold open. Then we get a scene of Katie walking into the dollar store. She sees a poster and takes a picture. It's a talent and model search, and it's at the hockey arena. And this has been... I'm just proud, because I feel like this has been building up for a couple I of seasons. Somebody in town finally saw the sign, like... Because you've seen it and yeah. pointed it out for, like, this whole season. And I didn't know. I kept seeing it and thinking, I don't know if that's a Letterkenny sign that they've made up for the show, or if that's a Sudbury sign that and just happened just, to still yeah, be there. they didn't take it down for the show. Yeah. Katie's outfit's cuter in this, but it's just this one tiny scene, and she, I don't think she has the same outfit on the entire time. Hmm. It's like a lace back plaid shirt. It's very yeah, cute. Yeah, that is cute. I did notice that she seems to, for Katie, kind of dress up her normal outfit of the jean shorts and tank yeah. top that she wears, because there's a couple times in this episode that she has like some sort of yeah. flyaway type thing on yeah. that I noticed was cuter. I'm wondering if this is some sort of different time frame because her hair's lighter in this. Did you notice that? I didn't. No. It's lighter, and then I feel like later on when we see her, it is darker again. So I'm hmm. wondering if this is like a after the fact shot of this would make more sense in the episode. Can you just do a B roll of this? Like come back and film this on a later date. Yeah. yeah. So it's a talent and model search. It's at the Letterkenny Memorial Arena from 6 to 9 p.m. But 
no date is on that so it's you figure it out or it's always happening i don't know it every day until katie comes and then there's another sign that says free puppies oh i know and there's only two left so you better get them get it while you can I don't know if I was surprised or not that Katie was interested. It's one hand it seems like she wouldn't be interested in the other hand. Because part of me feels like it seems like something that she would think is stupid. And then another part of me feels like, yeah, that's a perfect fit. But I don't know that Katie would see it as a perfect fit. I don't know. Yeah. And she's never seemed not content with her life in Letterkenny. You know, like some people are like, I got to get out of this small town. I need to make more of myself and yeah. get out and see the world. She's never really seemed that way to me. But maybe, maybe since she's broken up with the hockey players and yeah. broken up with Stuart, she's just ready to <laughs> see That's, something else. It's crazy. I was literally about to say the same thing. But it, it's one of those, maybe a, not a reaction exactly, but especially in a small town when you break up, there's no escape. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you constantly have to run into them because it's a small town. Like, and it's not like she's overly sentimental about it, but... She's pretty much gone through her options. Yeah, unless she caves and dates Derry, which I don't see her doing. She, like, literally walks away from him three times in this episode. <laughs> I don't blame her. He's I don't either. being weird and gross in this. And that's just a quick scene. Then we cut to the produce stand again. Wayne wants to breed his German shepherd, Stormy, but she keeps trying to kill her studs. Dan warns that bringing her to the veterinarian would result in a finger three knuckle deep up the bum. <laughs> they dispute the number of knuckles on a human finger, and Gail pops out of nowhere. She arrives. I know. <laughs> she just, like, materializes. She offers a stud that she's brought from the Baumgartner's breeders named Ken. I have a lot of notes for this Okay, scene. go for it. I'm here for it. What do you consider knuckles? Because they have a pretty heated argument about how many knuckles a person has. So I lean more towards with Dan, which I've decided, like, I agree a lot with Dan's stance on a lot of the arguments. But I think of it as three. And so I was curious how many you thought. When you think of knuckles, how many do you think per finger that there are? Is it weird? I feel like they're a little bit like the three bears with <laughs> Wayne, Dan, and Derry. Because it's like... Wayne feels like he's always on one extreme. Derry's on another. And then there's Dan in the middle who's logical. Yes, he's usually right, too, yes. according to me. I think you have three. But when, when Dan was doing the little <laughs> knuckle like punch, punch with this. he was doing the little tiny jabs at Derry, it cracked me up. And they're both adamant about their stance, which I guess if you're arguing with your friends, that's kind of how people are. But so I looked it up because I thought I was trying to think back to when I was in massage school and we had all the anatomy classes. Fingers don't have muscles in them. So, I mean, I massage fingers, but it's not a part that you really focus on, focus on. So I was trying to refresh my memory and I looked up a couple from actual medical places, what their stance on it is. This one is from the orthopedic surgery specialists, and they're talking about how each of our fingers, there's three bones in the fingers, and each finger has two separate joints, and then the closest is a knuckle joint. They talk about the first one being a knuckle, the second one being a knuckle, but then they always just refer to the third one as a joint. So you've got your metacarpal phalangeal joint, that's the biggest one, and then you've got 
the proximal interphalangeal joint and then your distal interphalangeal joint. So proximal and distal just means closer or farther. But it seems like if they're both named that, to me, I still lean like there's three knuckles. Hot button topic. Yeah, I mean, well, it bothered, I don't know why it bothered me. Yeah. Maybe because I've had anatomy classes and I couldn't recall it. And Wayne's so adamant. Like, he's absolutely adamant that he's right. I never found a conclusive, there's two knuckles or three knuckles. Yeah. They talk about the three joints. They call some of them knuckles. I still lean that there's three, but I have base human anatomy knowledge and know what I'm doing. I'm not a doctor though. Like if there's somebody out there who listens to our podcast who has more knowledge of, of human anatomy, especially hand anatomy, let us know because this is driving me crazy. I seriously, I paused it and I was Googling stuff for like 20 minutes. Well, Wayne is sure that he's right, but he, I don't know, I guess he always is He kind of, yeah. He, he takes he, hard stances on things. Yeah, he almost has that overconfidence of, I'm going to stand by this even if I'm not correct. Yeah. And he's no longer looking for love. Put pause on that. Put a pause on that. I guess the last thing he had was his hookup with Tannis. Katie calls him soft. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> But then we're focusing on Stormy, and I have to admit, I wasn't super invested in this plot line. I think it could have been shortened down to two big scenes instead of the three that they made it out to. Especially because they show Stormy occasionally, but I feel like, just for me, the way he like cuddles Gus and he's sitting in his lap and the puppy talks to him and stuff, yeah. if they had a plot line about Gus, I'd probably be more into yeah. it. You know, I just, I don't feel like I know you, Stormy. Sorry. And then they keep obsessing over the finger in the bum. You know, I guess just assume that all dogs get one every time they go to the vet just for checkups and stuff. Then Katie kind of gets off on a tangent and Wayne says, are you preoccupied? Because (laughs) she says, well, not always. It's not always. So you know that she's kind of talking about personal experience. So I had another question. Like, what does that do? As far as from a veterinary standpoint, what would that accomplish in an animal? I know that they have to put the finger up the bum for expressing anal glands. <laughs> so, and that... That just is... is disgusting. The words you just said. <laughs> Will that help her... With breeding or with a desire to breed or... I don't know what the I'm point not sure. of that is. So if you're a, a human doctor or an animal doctor... Yes. The, I mean, I'm sure that there's other know. things that they check for. Maybe... I, here, I couldn't decide if they were just riffing or if they were implying that Stormy might have something physically wrong with her. Well, see, that's what I was thinking because they were talking about how she tries to kill her studs and then, you know, maybe take her to the vet and have this done yeah. like it would accomplish something or figure something out, and I just didn't know what. Because it seems like more of a temperament thing than a physical thing, unless she's overly aggressive because she is hurt or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, just, I, I don't I know. Just, I, I, didn't, I didn't quite understand that. I was more <laughs> invested in the B, quote-unquote, B storyline yes, of this. With the Wayne storyline at the very end, I got super into, you know? The last 30 seconds? Yes, the very last bit of it. <laughs> And then I had one more question for you. I also noticed that for some reason in this episode, rather than just taking notes of the episode and what they're doing, I have like eight different questions to ask you your opinion about yeah, sure. things. How do you feel about naming animals human names? Because again, Wayne with his stance, 
he's just like, you're not supposed to do that. He said that so, so black ma- and white. Yeah, like he is completely matter of fact. It's just how it is. You don't name animal human names. I don't really have a hard stance either way. <laughs> I'm not super opposed to it. I think it's strange and probably could get confusing. But with the way that we name kids nowadays, too, yeah. I feel like it's so broad. Yeah, basically, like, you can name them whatever you want to name them, and it doesn't make too big of a difference. Yeah. Yeah. I think that a dog named Ken, how do you say that last? Baumgartner. Is a funny name. I'm kind of here for it. Ken and Nolan. (laughs) Yeah, Ken and Nolan. I kind of like that. (laughs) I think it's pretty funny. We name all of our animals after movie characters. We had two cats that were brothers, and we named one of them Schultz, and then we named one of them Django. And then right now we have a cat named Wilson. It was supposed to be... Do you remember Dustin, Nate's old roommate, Dustin? Mm -hmm. It was supposed to be his. And he was like, oh, you know, I've been so lonely and now I've got this pet to keep me company. And he's like my Wilson from Castaway. Like, oh, I have... And then the landlord was like, you can't have a cat. And so I I took him. So now he's your Wilson. Yeah, so... But he's still Wilson. Wilson! Yeah, exactly. And now he doesn't have him anymore. I felt so bad for him. Like, oh, you poor lonely man. But <laughs> Oh, gosh. I do have one thing. Gail's grossed me out again. Gail is... It's just... She can't help it. It's just herself. It's just who she is. She does a finger suck. Oh, yeah. This might be the only finger suck of the season. Well, she's not in a whole lot of the season, so... <laughs> well, <laughs> she's not... She's not had a lot of opportunity. But the Foley guy for this... Well, the sound effects guy. Okay, oh... He was really in it. It sounded like she had dentures in when she went She went in and around her mouth. <laughs> and it was so gross. Oh. I hated it. That was really good for sound effects. I didn't need it in my life. <laughs> You're super good at your job, dude. But <laughs> He was going for an Emmy or something. <laughs> and then, is raw food not bad for dogs? I don't know. They said a raw food diet. And I... As long as it's fresh and been refrigerated, I think it's okay. And again, I'm not well-versed in this, but, uh, you know, maybe some, like, raw quality chicken or beef, something like that. And also, like, vegetables. I know a lot of people feed their dogs, like, carrots and things like that cut up and mixed in with it. Not us. We feed ours dry dog food. We have a pupper named Godiva, and she just gets the dry dog food treatment. So you name yours after chocolate. (laughs) Well, Josh actually named her. I got her for Josh. And I wanted a dog that would be super cuddly, and I did get that. She's a sweet sweet girl. But she's just cuddly with Josh. She'll cuddle with me sometimes when she's, like, really sleepy or she misses him and he's not here. And he's not here. But she's Like, if you're the last-ditch effort. She's like, I guess if you're the only thing left and there's no blankets or something. And I'm just like, I do everything for you. (laughs) Anyway. That's Um, too funny. And then Gail like runs away. I know they they reference that she has a truck, but we never see it. And I always feel like she's just running back and forth. I know you said you didn't watch Friends too much, but there's an episode where Phoebe and Rachel go jogging together. And that Phoebe runs and... Rachel later compares it to a, a mix between the six billion dollar man and Kermit the Frog. <laughs> and that's how Gail seems to run for me, just like those limbs just kind of flailing about everywhere. I don't know. I, I hate watching her move. <laughs> I love the visual of Kermit the Frog in a frenzy run. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite. 
Katie is skeeved out when Derry says, do you want to know how I know about the knuckle thing? And she And she just gets up and walks away. And again, I don't blame her for all the just leaving of Derry because he is. He's just getting like cringy and... He's getting creepy. He... Yeah, it's not... It's not even just cringy. It's like inappropriate. Like, Derry, no, don't. So she just walks yeah. away. But then I did like how excited Dan's like, yeah. But he waits. <laughs> yeah. He watches and watches and watches. Like, okay, Katie's got He knows that it's not appropriate. Yeah. But he does want to get into yeah, the conversation. He wants to know. But he's trying to be respectful of Katie's boundaries. So he's going to wait till she's out of your shot. And then like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I had this thought today. Do you think that Gail and Derry would be good together? Oh, I don't know. He's kind of mean to her in one of the episodes in season one. Yeah. But they almost kind of have a little chemistry in this one, like later on. That's interesting. That'd be the grossest, grossest uh, couple ever. But they would, they would compliment (laughs) each other's grossness. (laughs) Maybe they would both call, it it would either make them grosser, like the McMurray's, or maybe it would calm them down a little. I don't know. Does it bother you that Wayne says exposed? Yes. (laughs) very straight face you said that i don't like it when people mispronounce words i'll stop there because i'm about to go off on a tangent but no it it, drives josh crazy when people say pacifically because that's not the it's not the word unless you're over in pacific time or the ocean (laughs) that's not the words you're trying to say when people say suppose supposedly supposedly yes with a b instead of supposedly I just correct them, but... Do you also say Paschetti? Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. We're not we're not grammar Nazis, but a little bit I we are. See, like, I, and I'll be the first to admit that a lot of times, especially if I'm texting somebody, I don't proofread my texts, and I might hit the wrong letter or something. So I might spell words incorrectly, or I might leave out a comma when I should have one. But I try to speak correctly. I guess we all have our faults. <laughs> Not us. Not us. (laughs) And I'll never admit to one. Okay. And then we get into why. I really love this episode. Oh my gosh. Well, it's just the beginning of the storyline that gets better and better. Yes. So we jump to our boys in the arena. And I said, look at these beauties. (laughs) Coach surprises Riley and Jonesy as they approach the dressing room for the Letterkenny Irish who have just hired him as the new coach. Riley and Jonesy were thrown now. <laughs> are intensely demoralized. Both want to skip practice. They admit to each other that they are terrified about losing their identity. Oh, that got deep. I feel like I don't know if I took that deep cut from it. I, I took that deep. Did it, you? Like, yeah. uh, they embrace awkwardly, which was absolutely adorable. Yes. And they run into Glenn when they... Are leaving the arena. So let's get into that. Yes, let's get into this. You go ahead because you had a lot of notes. I, I did this time. So when the coach is berating them, when he says, Well, little angel food cake with the glaze on top. Have your mom mix up the egg whites and the vanilla? Huh? Have your mom cut it with a knife or a small spatula through the batter, releasing air bubbles and bake? Light as air? Huh? Virtually fat free? Fuck you, pheasant! I love when he starts on his rants and he just keeps going. And he one-ups himself every time. He, he does, to himself. I just got so excited, I spit. Josh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's why you've got the microphone covers. 
And then I wrote all the repercussions for skipping leg day because he goes on and on and on and on. Yeah. Like, why? Because you skipped leg day. And it's like, oh my God, the world is ending because they skipped leg day. So you said you feel like, and also the fandom feels like, I guess, that they're losing their identity. What do you... So I put, when they're talking to each other, and he says, it's different this time, my my feelings are hurt because they're talking about if they're yeah. hurt or they're injured and because they've talked about it before and it's because the natives beat the crap yeah. out of them physically. And he says, my feelings are hurt. And it just makes me sad for them. They feel like they're losing something they love. Like they can't even enjoy playing hockey anymore. And I put part of what makes them them. Like yeah. they're losing something that they identify so much with that it's part of who they are and they they don't... They both want to skip practice, even though they know that they won't be able to play. Like, they're demoralized. They can't even That's crush a, a sando. I know. He doesn't even want to go get a sando, Ferda. And it makes me feel bad for him. Well, they're terrified. I see that. And they're mm-hmm. also sad. And yeah. I see that. Are they sad because they're just not excited about it anymore? I think that's why they're sad. And I think they're terrified because they've gotten to a point where they know... Like, hey, we can't keep faking this. Like, we don't want to keep showing up for practice for something that we we can't even enjoy anymore. Yeah. And so that means they're going to have to do something else. And that's a scary thought. Jumping into an unknown when they've had this as a constant for so long in their life is scary. What are they without hockey? Exactly. And they don't even know. Like, they're so deeply embedded into that hockey lifestyle that, like, I, I thought that that was pretty deep. Like, I, I took it. Like, oh, no. I love this whole scene. It's going to take a lot of restraint for me not to plug this entire scene. <laughs> it's great. Because first you have Coach, who just takes He's, everything up uh, a level. We had Coach and Glenn back to back. I God. love it. The fact that Glenn, Riley, Jonesy, and Coach all have interacting scenes. It, I think that's probably why this is one of my... This might be my second or third favorite of the series, of the entire series. Wow. And half of it I don't even care about. Yeah, you only care about the small subplot, but this one is a pretty good subplot. And then they run in... Did you have anything else before they run into Glenn? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> I... Josh says we have to be better about that. He said we all have to quit talking over each other and you have to quit skipping around. Sorry, like, Josh. <laughs> it's like, you guys are doing we great. so excited. I know. I said we get so excited we can't help it. And we can't see each other's notes, in fairness. <laughs> I just wrote down all the cakes that he, he was yeah. talking about. So he talked about angel food cake. <laughs> Almost fat free. Gosh, he just has such a great... Liner. And then he talked about Lady Baltimore cake. Have you ever tried? No, and I was going to actually, I was hoping that she wrote down the cakes, which is really funny because it just seemed like something you would take note of was all the list of the cake names and see if you knew what that was because I'm not even sure what it is. Well, I was doing it more so for this potential food episode too that we're going to do. And I'm about some angel food cake. I'll do that all day. The Lady Baltimore is a, it's a white cake that's a layered cake. And it's got a fruit and cream filling with some, with like fluffy icing. Ooh, that sounds good. It sounds good. I like fruit and cake. It's apparently a southern cake, but I've never had it or heard of it. I've never had it or heard of it so, either. I don't southern know. according to who? Canadians? Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, lots of places could be considered southern by Canadians. <laughs> That's true. And then they said... 
Dayton walnut loaf, which is exactly... That sounds like... I like dates and nuts in bread. Yeah. So that to me sounds good. And then a Napoleon... <laughs> I don't think he called it the correct name. <laughs> well, it actually is spelled like that. It's like a... No, I mean, uh, what is, what's the full thing that it's he suppo- calls it's it? It's actually called like a Napoleon hat is what it's oh, supposed okay. to be. But there's another word for it that's like S-H-A-T-T-E, I think. Oh, <laughs> I so, didn't know that. But it's technically a cookie, and it's like a pastry-type deal with chocolate filling. Mm. It's very good, hmm. as far as I can tell. They do really good scared faces. And sad faces. And sad faces. <laughs> like, my heart was hurting for and them. And confused. They did it all. Man, they were chameleons yes, in this I, <laughs> I bet it took so much to keep it together when Coach was yelling at them. Like, Mark Ford. Every time that he yells at them. Yes, I bet that's the hardest part of their job, is to keep it together when Mark Ford's yelling at them. <laughs> I couldn't imagine. Even the people running the camera and stuff. I'm surprised that he doesn't crack because he's like so excited and pepped up when he's screaming yeah. to not just like break a little bit of a smile is impressive, especially he's, the crazy things he says. I know. He's supposedly one of the ones that almost never cracks. He Him and Gail character. both are. Gail would be hard to not crack too. I know. Just because she's so she's so over out the top. The, yes, just completely over the top. But he is too in a different way, not yeah. in a wool way. But maybe they way. could go together too. That would be a weird and yet. See, I could almost see that more yeah. than her and Derry. Yeah. Because they both are so over the top. Not at all in the same way. That's interesting, Megan. I'm interested in truth. Playing matchmaker. <laughs> Coach calls them on their bullshit. And I think that's part of why their feelings are injured. Yeah. You never really want to hear your bad qualities said to you by someone else like it's one thing if you admit it to yourself in private but yeah. to hear somebody else verbalize it is if it's something you're already personally kind of hung up on and then it's said out loud to you as like it an just insult double downs on yeah. yeah that's what really hurts yep he talks about tossing hot suey sauce all day what is that <laughs> That's the suicide pass down the middle. Uh, so I immediately thought of like Chinese food. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know yeah. why, but that's where my pregnant brain went. And then he lists off all the places they couldn't get into, but it's all just different leagues in different countries. So the Czech, basically NHL league equivalent, the Swedish one, Hockey Alsvetska, <laughs> and the Dutch... Ice Hockey Liga, which is, it's pronounced and spelled the exact same way, so. Yeah, and all of this is because they skipped leg day. All because they skipped leg day. <laughs> Worst thing ever. Well, we see this later on in a different context, but I wonder how Coach feels about his senior A players, the other ones. Mm-hmm. Because he probably walks in and is like, oh, like, look at this group. I probably have a great shot, yeah. you know? These boys, these, well, I can't, you can't even call them boys. These grown up men, yeah. they're going to get it done for me. Like they're serious athletes. Just one vocab term this time. <laughs> he says, you plugs are going to learn some jam. And so I guess jam in hockey context is grit, effort, or persistence. So. Because he's always felt like they're slackers. Yeah. And he's not super wrong. He's not super wrong. And yeah. he's not been quiet about it. And I could see where that would bum them out. Because, again, especially if you kind of think you're great at something, 
but maybe you kind of know that you're not. <laughs> and then somebody points out the fact that you aren't. Yeah. That's and maybe a... it's a little bit your fault if you're not putting in the effort yeah. that you need to to better yourself. Mm-hmm. That's they almost don't get a word in to coach. I, I don't know that they, uh, if they could even really defend themselves at that point. Yeah. <laughs> they just kind of, mm. and then their feelings are hurt and they're sad. It was just my favorite scene <laughs> of the episode for sure. And that's it for that scene. Then we jump to the skids. I am kind of glad of this. I was, I didn't know going in, I'd forgotten what we were going to see, but I'm glad we kind of get a spread of everybody in this season finale. The skids are in the basement and Devin's trying to console Stuart, who's been dumped by Katie. But I mean, it, it's been a little bit at this point. He's just still upset about it, I guess. Um, and I guess they're going to do karaoke and Stuart just sits there and reminisces about Katie. The only thing I put for this one is at least they're finally trying to be good friends. They can tell that he's depressed and they're, they're trying to do something engaging with him that they think he might have interest in to help him get his mind off of what he's sad about. They name off all these people, which I meant to look up. I didn't really, I don't know that I got around to looking up any of them. But they end with the option of him just singing Young Thug. And I know of some of his songs, but I talked to Josh and my brother-in-law, Ryan, Uh who's like really into that, you know, kind of music. And because they say, don't act like anyone knows what he's saying because he's a rapper. And it's legitimately true. You can almost just it, not understand anything he's is, saying. Is, I'm not sure who that is. Is it because he raps so quickly or is he a mumbly rapper? He's a mumbly rapper. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if he's Canadian. I should have looked that up. Hmm. But it's just strange because normally everyone they mention on here is Canadian. Is The weekend Canadian? I don't know. But they do usually use a lot of Canadian-based bands for their songs and stuff. I bet stuff he and... is. I bet he is Canadian. Hmm. I think it's strange... They're singing karaoke. I mean, I can see them playing rock band, but just straight singing karaoke, I kind of thought was an odd choice. Sorry, Josh. Not to skip around too much, but like later they're talking about video games. I could see that. And rock band, I consider a video game. But yeah, just straight karaoke isn't something I would have thought that they did. That's a great picture of Katie. Like that cute little candid with the wind blowing her hair. (laughs) And I was just like, and you knew immediately what he was doing. I do wish that they hadn't used that B roll of old scenes of them. I would have either rather seen new scenes of them that we hadn't seen in their relationship or you just didn't need it at all because you could tell what was wrong. Yeah. And also they use like the going in with his tongue, like I guess to him that's a fond memory, yeah. but it was like it wasn't a sweet moment as far as I was concerned. Or maybe but. that's just used to show like it means a lot to him, but there really wasn't that much to their relationship. And they weren't really together for a long time, and they never slept together. Yeah. And so I, I don't know. I guess he he's pining, but I don't feel like there was enough to really mourn that yeah. intensely. Unless there was a ton of stuff we didn't see, which. I, maybe we're we're not sure i loved this song it's called another one of mine by open mike eagle and i just felt like it really played into the like heartbroken i don't know the it just, sadness of yes <laughs> the sadness of Stuart. that's what I, I could name that song <laughs> yeah that's pretty much it i just felt like overall i guess if i was editing this episode 
I feel like I could have cut a lot of stuff out. Not just in this one, but in the one later, and then given more story depth. I almost feel like Stuart's part could have been cut out completely, and it would have still been a cohesive episode. <laughs> Sorry, <That's> Stuart. <laughs> yeah, even if he just showed up at the end and was like, I'm fighting, I want to fight for Katie, like, we would have got it. But yeah, I I don't know. I guess he's, he's trying his best. Is he? <laughs> Oh, I missed a whole, I missed a whole page of notes already. <laughs> anyway, well, I'll just, it's Somewhere. not, it's not a big deal. It, you know, cause I can make notes about Riley and Jonesy forever. So take about 20% off her up there. All right. They're sad. They're walking away from coach and you, you just see how sad they are. Are and they then, skipping practice? I think they are. Okay. Yeah. Cause they decided to, even if they're not going to get Sandoz, I think they just decided that they're so sad about the fact one the fact that coach is going to be their coach again and two the way that the rest of the team treats them that they just have no that's true zest for it i forgot about that they are really being i mean they're being put down pretty hard yeah like from all sides yeah Yeah. but they walk up and glenn and (laughs) you never really know why glenn is there i mean they turn around and (sighs) he's just standing there and then Cuts back to the hockey players, and they start to look a little more confused. And then it cuts back to Glenn again, and he's wearing this, like, linen white shirt, and he's backlit, and the sun is just glowing around him. And he has two completely different shirts on. He's wearing, like, his normal shirt and tie, and then when they cut back to him, he's wearing this white linen thing over top of it. <laughs> it's so it was hilarious funny and perfect. And there's... An awesome song playing in the background called 1111 by Pell. It's great. And it adds to the, like, the holy nature. I loved how this scene was shot. And it's, the slow motion was perfect. Yeah, too. it's not a super long scene. And there's almost no dialogue. I think Glenn just said, he says, I'm here for what a normal reason. A normal reason, yeah. But we never find out why he was but there. But you never find out why, because he's not a hockey player. There's nothing going on there that you'd think he would need to be there for. I wondered if he was there for the talent search. It did say it was going to take place at, at the, the arena. arena. That's interesting. Yeah. I wonder if he drug those poor boys from last time to it. Or he just decided to strike out on his own. Yeah, he's just going to do so it himself. <laughs> <laughs> but that scene I thought was really well shot. All of our favorite boys together. I know. I, I was it. so excited. I- I had forgotten. Like I said, I'd forgotten. But man, I was so pumped to see them all together. So usually I would watch the episode once just through and then I'd watch it again and take notes for the podcast. Uh, but this time, like the last couple of weeks, Nate's been saying, hey, you want to watch the episode of Letterkenny? So he and I will watch it together. And then Glenn popped up and he was like, hey, and I'm like, yeah, there's my boy. <laughs> <laughs> Even he knows. That's my boy. I love it. Is his tie too small? I think it's too short. To me, I feel like ties should go down to, like, pant line. Yes. That's just me. That's I how agree. I think that they look. Even skinny ties, I think they should go to... Um, hang on just a second. Yeah, yeah. But the basement scene, I just noticed a few new additions to the basement. Oh. There's now a DJ poster of Stuart. Oh Did you see that in the background? No. Does he have his eyelashes on? It's Yeah, his whole getup, and it's framed. It's got like a gold frame around it. There's a Sharpie spider web on the wall. And then there's a mushroom trash can. <laughs> I feel like they would be doodlers doodling on the wall with Especially the Especially high. Yeah. Maybe that's part of the reason why he's so depressed. If he did actually get clean, he could be depressed about Katie, but also 
adding to that is like a withdrawal kind of darkness as well. We go back to... This is the first time back to the produce stand, I think. Yes. Gail's back, and she (laughs) says she's got a perfect set for Stormy. But before we even do that, I was like, Gary. (laughs) That would be their nickname. Gary. (laughs) Gary? Why are you so gross, Gary? (laughs) 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 Gary needs to stop. But I wrote Derry needs to stop. Because he's just, he's always doing something with his bodily functions. Yeah, I can do without gas passing joke. That's what I mean. Like sometimes this show is super intelligent and sometimes it's just scraping the bottom of that comedic barrel. Josh will always get a laugh when you do a fluff joke. And Nate finds humor in that stuff too. But so does Dexter. So I don't know. (laughs) So whatever that says. Yes. This is where Gail's upset because Ken Baumgartner was attacked by Stormy. She wasn't having any of Ken it. Baumgartner. <laughs> that, that's funny to me. She suggests that possibly Nolan Baumgartner would be an option. <laughs> and wait, since no more Baumgartners, okay? <laughs> she suggests Stormy be sedated, and that sets off Dan. And he says, basically, so you're going to roofie her? Yeah. And I'm a little surprised that. Wayne's not feeling the same way. So for as much as I dislike Gail most of the time, when she is going off about Stormy, like, she's like, I'll hurt her. Say it to her face. And I just like, it was so funny to me, this go off. Like this was Gail funny for me. Okay. But then, yeah, Dan goes off on Gail. Basically, you want to roofie Stormy. Wayne does seem really like mellow like he doesn't understand why dan's upset and he's like you want to sedate her to the point where ken baumgartner can have have his his filthy filthy sex sex with her (laughs) and he goes and i don't know if they can say the r word i don't want to trigger anything but but they don't yeah katie cuts him off before he says it but that's basically yeah i mean just is this the first we hear about professor trisha I wonder if isn't that who he's seeing, or is that? I think I it's could a be different person. I think it is the first we hear her name, though. Okay. And again, I could be mistaken. Dan spits out his all dressed chips, <laughs> and I, I was just assuming he's got a bag of ruffles, but <laughs> I I was just assuming they're all dressed chips because I mean, they he, play into that. Yeah, he he gets up in arms about it, and good for you, Dan, for yeah, taking a stance. I'm on his side with I'm, this. I'm team like team Dan. I'm starting to be Team Dan more than I am Team Wayne. Yeah, he's probably my favorite character stance in this whole episode. Yeah, mine too. And in the last episode with the steak, or was that the episode before? The episode before about how to cook a steak? Like, Dan, we're on the same... Other than all of the hoofing of the schneef that he (laughs) talks about doing in his life, I can't relate to that part, Dan, but all the rest of this, yeah... Team Dan all the way. They say that Stormy tries to kill her stud, and I wonder to what extent. Like, if she straight bites them, or if I mean, they're injured. Shepherds can be aggressive. You know, they can be, they're great dogs, but if she were to, like, go for his throat, it could potentially kill him, and I wonder if that's what she does. Gail's so aggressive She's here. So- but it is, like you said, it's funny, Gail, and... Wayne's not upset about it, so it's not like I can get upset about it. She's aggressive and she's Gale, but she's not. She's sitting for one, and I think that helps because it 
makes her unable to slither as much as she normally does. Mm-hmm. She's talking about dog sex, but she's really just kind of going off on the fact that Stormy's being so particular about who she'll breed with, I yes. guess. But this this was funny to me. Gail was funny to me in this part, which rarely ever happens, but Gail was funny to me in this part. I wrote down, I wonder if they'll ever cast a professor... No, it's not Patricia. I, always, I want to say Professor. Professor. Pa- professor Tricia. I, w- I wonder if they'll ever cast that role. When I pictured her, and again, I know you say you've never watched Parks and Rec. There's a time where Andy, who's Chris Pratt, takes a women's studies class. Mm-hmm. And his professor is what I think I visualize her as when Dan talks about her. And she was gorgeous and dark brunette hair and bright blue eyes and very self-assured and everything you want a feminist to be. (laughs) Somebody who teaches like a women's studies course like that. And I like that Dan seems to, does he talk about going to school or does he just talk about? He just talks about that one class. Yeah. Always. But I like that he goes to that. I love his attitude about it. Yeah, I do too. He has a very strong moral stance on it. And, and even, I appreciate that I, about him. Yeah, I appreciate that about you too, Dan. Because Wayne is the dog's owner. You'd think he'd be the most protective of her. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Dan's really like standing up for stories. Women's rights. Women's this. rights. If she doesn't want to breed rights, exactly. with the bomb gardener, then by God, she shouldn't have to. She shouldn't have to. And I'm with uh, Katie. Like, that's my girl. You kill off those ones you don't want to breed with if they try it. <laughs> Gail and Dan are, like, about to fight, and I think she would fight him. I think she would fight him in I can, a minute. I can visualize her almost, like, climbing up him, trying to get at him, and him just trying to, like, push her off. I like, think she would win. I think she might win in the in the fact that he wouldn't fight her back. I, I was about to say, I feel like she'd be squirrely enough, but that struck me as funny since she'd since, be fighting squirrely Dan. Yeah. <laughs> I, have a, I had a manager at the bar who was built a lot like Dan, like, very like mountain man, kind of sturdy, had a big beard and everything. Mm-hmm. And one time we had to kick out a belligerently drunk customer and we had called the police on her already. Like the cops were on their way to come get her, yeah. but we were just trying to get her outside because she was making a huge scene and she was not big. I mean, maybe five, four, 120 pounds, maybe mm-hmm. She's not a big person. And she went off and tried to just slug him, punch him in the face, and couldn't really quite get it, but still was trying. And that's how I envisioned Gail being, like, super scrappy. And like you said, I don't think Dan would fight her back, but he would probably try to restrain her. But I could just see her being all limbs, just flailing about, trying to get Kermit him. the Frog trying to yeah. <laughs> Like, when he gets excited and goes to run away and his arms just flail about, that's how I picture Gail fighting somebody. She's just Kermit all over the place. Oh, my God. Oh, Gail. So they call the... She said we should try to sedate her. And then Dan says, so you're going to try to roofie her. And then they they use these other two names. I've never heard it called carpet or rope before. Uh, yeah, I hadn't heard that either. And this is another time that they are so well-versed in drug knowledge and lingo. And a lot of the stuff that they said, I had never heard of either. I know, I wrote, I know nothing Jon Snow because I, <laughs> I knew none of this stuff. No, uh, there was, I mean, obviously like pot or marijuana, a couple of those. And even some of those that they said I had never heard of. They called it Dutch, Keef, Dank, and Assassin <laughs> of Youth. I, I hadn't heard any of those. Dank, Ma- well, you like 
I would think like Mary Jane or something along those lines yeah. is a much more well-known slang term for it. I love when she says, don't say Molly. The first time I had ever heard of Molly, you know, I'm not huge into drug knowledge and use and things <laughs> like that. The person who was talking to me about it was asking if I wanted to do it with them. And I thought they were talking about an actual person and like inviting me to a threesome. I really had, I was like, I, I, I finally just said like, I don't know what you're talking about. And they were just like, never mind. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> like, okay. Are you a friend of Molly? I'm looking for Molly. So they talk about MDMA, mushrooms, and cocaine. I, I think I'd heard Uptown for cocaine. I'd heard Booger Sugar, which I think is like a really weird name. But that's the only one that I think I'd heard of. They call mushrooms Cracker Stackers, Zoomers, Boomers, and Simple Simon. I've never heard any of those. Yeah. You better not call me simple. <laughs> oh, gosh. Wayne is so kind of funny in this. That I mean, he was being kind of weird later on. And maybe it starts... Yeah, it starts here. Because he's telling them not to call it Schneef. Yeah. And he's almost having his own conversation. And everybody keeps just not listening to what he's yeah. saying. It's weird. He's like a spoiled brat who's not getting his way. Quit trying to make Schneff happen, It's not Wayne. going to happen, Wayne. <laughs> it just doesn't... No, he keeps it's saying it's funnier. It's almost not a character, funnier, in my opinion, to him. But it's not, it's not as funny, no. Because he gets mad and walks off. Like, keeps trying to make them say it, and then they won't. And so he just gets mad and kind of storms off, which I feel like is a... I wonder if there's, like, an underlying thing that I'm not getting. I, I didn't get it either. But he walks off, and then Katie walks off, too, doesn't she? Yes, because Derry says... <laughs> Something inappropriate. Well, it wasn't super inappropriate. This time he said that cocaine or something makes me dance oh uh yeah dancing shoes or something like that ecstasy makes me dance and then she just kind of rolls her eyes and walks away and then dan goes makes me want to hug and he goes ecstasy bear that's the only funny thing Derry says the whole show i think this time because he would be he'd just be like a big cuddly ecstasy fied teddy bear and again team dan like the same i won't ask you that but it just makes you want to hug people. <laughs> I've never done it. I don't know if that's what you were going to That was what I wasn't going to ask you. I didn't well, no. want to put you on the spot like no, no, that. No, no, no. It's fine. I have done... Done. I've, I've not done anything beyond... I've never even smoked a cigarette. Good for I've, you, Megan. I've drank and I have had like puffs of cigars. I've been around marijuana a lot in my life. Because I mean, I don't, I don't care if people do it. I'm not like, I've never done it. I'm better than you. Just like. <laughs> you just never have. My dad was a huge, and still is, like, huge smoker. And, and it's just always put me off since I was really little. And I've just never gotten into it. I have a friend who's like that. Because I know sometimes when you grow up with parents who do something like either drink a lot or smoke a lot, you either do that yourself or you just, like, you almost don't at all. Like I It's either you who, adopt it or it puts you off so much yeah. that you can't. I had a friend whose mom was a heavy smoker and because of that she never even had the desire to smoke a cigarette. But yeah, ecstasy makes you cuddly. And it makes cuddling feel nice. <laughs> Not that I've ever done it, but... <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. It makes going to concerts really fun. I love that Dan's a hugger because he totally looks like he would I be a know. hugger. I would love to hug Dan. Like, I enjoy hugging as much as I don't like people. I love a good hug. You and Desiree are so alike in that. <laughs> I really had to, because my whole family even, were not very touchy. Uh-huh. We're not very, well, we're emotional, but we're not externally, we're not like telling each uh-huh. other all the time we love you. Love 
and we don't hug all the time. I mean, at the most, it's like, well, I'll hug you because we're leaving, uh -huh. like, a place or whatever. So when I became friends with Desiree... <laughs> you had to adapt. <laughs> it was basically, she was like, you're going to have to get over this because it's happening. And my in-laws are the same way. They are, with both guys and girls, I've just never been, I don't, it feels strange for me to like hold hands with my friends, even though I mean it's it's fine. It's, you know, it's I not obviously sexual, it's I know, just, yeah, and yeah. it's it doesn't bother me, and I love them. It's just like it's something it's not that how you express. It's your not life. natural. Yeah, yeah, it's I'm a oh, what is what did my thing say? I am a quality time person, mm -hmm. and uh, I forget the other one. Maybe acts of kindness. I love acts of kindness. That's a big love language for me. Doing something sweet is a million times better for me than. You buying me something or yeah. you, well, sometimes those two can, cause like there are times when I'm like grocery shopping and I see something that I think Nate will like. And to me, that's, a, that's an act of love. Like, yeah, hey, I got this for you because yeah. I thought you would like, I thought of you and I thought you would like it. But yeah, you know, I would, I would rather have something small and genuine over like a diamond any day. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. Is that your, your top love language is acts of kindness? Yeah. What about Nate? His is... Sorry, Nate. I'm getting super personal. You're not even here. His is what is it when you verbalize like words of affirmation? Yes, that's that's his. Josh too. That's that's Nate. He wants shows of affection. He likes hugs and cuddles, physical touch. Yes, and words of affirmation. That's exactly Josh. I love you. Yeah, that's Nate. Yeah, <laughs> and it's so you really have to learn mm -hmm. your partners because ours are different. His <laughs> and I, they're not the same. Yeah. And yeah, you you have to. Because I'm a hugger, but I also, I have a hard time showing affection if I'm mad at you. Like, I, so to him, he'll, and he's probably right about this. Like, even if we're arguing or mad at each other, he will always say, I love you before we yeah. hang up the phone or before he leaves to go somewhere or something. I won't. Like, if I mean, and <laughs> I'm petty. And I am sometimes. <laughs> my, my father-in-law called me a stuck-up bitch the other day. He said it in, kind of in jest, but... There's some truth ringing there. Like, that's yeah, fine. I own it. But because he's really big on like, I love you. Like, mm. all right, I love you too. <laughs> but that's a that's the thing I struggle with is because I know, and Josh knows it too of me. I have to catch myself because I know I can be petty. Mm -hmm. I can easily be super petty, and you. When we're fighting, I just have to check myself. Same. But when I'm feeling genuinely affectionate towards somebody, I love a good hug. There's a guy at work. He's another therapist. And he gives the best hugs. Like, I look forward to hugging him. During the lockdown and shortly after, you know, COVID and everything started, we obviously weren't hugging each other at that point. But our hugs just restarted recently. And, like, I've missed my Justin hugs because they're so good. Like, you can tell how genuine they are. And I feel like Dan's would be like that. Yes. Like, he would be such a good bear hug kind of hugger. I would hug you, Dan. <laughs> he does. He seems like he'd be a good hugger. Yeah. And I like how, well, just really quickly, he does the same thing again. He kind of waits for Katie to go away. Yeah. And he's like, let's talk about it. Yeah. Just see. He's being respectful of Katie's boundaries because obviously this is something she didn't want to talk about or she just didn't want to be around Derry. But he's trying to be respectful of her. Do you, I feel like the only drugs Katie's really down with maybe is marijuana. What do you yeah. think? What are your thoughts I, on that? I think so too because I feel like anything too much stronger than that, she knows about him. 
But, like, she told Stuart, like, it's not charming anymore. You're not a teenager. So maybe she has dabbled with experimenting once with more than just pot. But I don't think it's something that she genuinely wants to get into, you know. It's just, hey, I'll drink, I'll smoke, no more than that. She doesn't want it to be a thing where it's controlling someone's life. It's not a a habit. Because even when they have the schneef conversations... Gail joins in some at one point, which, <laughs> which totally, is not surprising. Yeah. It's not surprise me at all. Uh, but Katie never does. And obviously Wayne is virgin to all of this stuff because he doesn't even know what they're talking about. And then after this scene, we jump over to our boys, um, all of our boys together. Yeah. Gosh, I got so excited. <laughs> Glenn has ice cream with Riley and Jonesy, and he's really getting in there with that ice cream, buddy. Yeah. Oh, so <laughs> just a quick interjection. I was listening to last week's podcast. Yeah. And you were ta- we were talking about rating them. So maybe this week it can be a scale of one to ten on popsicles because... He's going to town on that popsicle. <laughs> he is. He's really hitting it hard. <laughs> I guess they just all decided to go together. I really kind of wish I'd gotten a scene where... It explains why Glenn's even there in the yeah. first place. Yeah. Why was he waiting for them? I don't I don't get it either. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, you're fine. <laughs> it seemed a little confusing. I mean, we figured it out easily. Like, There's not necessarily an explanation that we get, but we figure out the gist of... Well, he's coming to help for some reason. Mm -hmm. So we see that Glenn is with Ryland Jonesy having ice cream, and Ryland Jonesy say that they've hit rock bottom, and he says that they're lost and need to turn to God, but they don't understand, and they just want to know why they can't talk to him. And Glenn basically says that's the same thing, because he's like the conduit, which is getting a little anti-religion-y. Yeah, I was going to say, that almost seems like sacrilegious to say it's the same thing. Teens bit of that. Yeah. He asks when their problems started, and they traced it back to their breakup with Katie, Glenn encourages to them to think of all the fish in the sea in which they interpret is, let's hit up the big city slams. So how did you interpret what Glenn was saying? I, I do feel like he was genuinely trying to be helpful to them in some extent. What do you think? I think so. All right. And this, <laughs> I could be wrong, but all right. So Glenn, I feel like he's talking to him he's talking about the fish in the sea oh they're how is there fish and like all the fancy restaurants are fish well have i tried this fish do i even want to have fish Ooh, what's this this how about i try some calamari glenn wants them to try calamari and i wonder wink, if that's wink. like hey you know katie didn't work out there's other fish there's more than just fish, boys. There's also calamari, and calamari might be sitting right here on this picnic table with you. Okay, so I <laughs> That's picked, how I took it. <laughs> I picked up a little bit of that, too. I don't feel like he was necessarily super trying to be malicious. No, but no. at the same time, I guess picking them up when he knows they're, they're down, down and vulnerable is exploitative in and of itself. Yeah. I love that they went back to the little ice cream place, which they never show the truck, but I'm assuming that's where they were. I'm sure that's budget constriction there, but he's he's double-fisting ice cream. Man, he's deep-throating those popsicles hard. Oh, I hate it. Stuff like that normally doesn't bother me, but man, he was making those noises. He makes those slurpy sounds when he does it, which is pretty gross. And like brain freeze, man. I don't know how you can do that. But they're they're pretty funny together. I love when... He goes to ask them, okay, what went wrong? 
And then Jonesy says, you mean when? And Riley's like, no, that's not it. And Glenn said, oh, yeah, okay, that's yeah. good. And Jonesy's so proud of himself, like, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I was right. I did a good thing. Yeah. And They're then, so adorable. And they realized, I guess, in theory, this has all gone wrong since Katie left them. They've probably been kind of in a slump since then. See, I feel, and, you know, it's their life, so they know it better than I do. But I felt more like it was when they had to go from the one hockey team to the other hockey team. I feel that too, but maybe it's not occurred to them in that way yet. Yeah. But all right. So Katie broke their hearts, made them sad, but then they get up on the, Hey, big city slams. And then they, they bolt. They just leave Glenn there. Where are you going? The car is that way. (laughs) And he just, yeah, runs the opposite way. And then he comes out gets his sunglasses and runs away. But I'm assuming they wait for Glenn too, because he ends up with them later. I wonder if he just followed them because he's a creeper like that. Possibly through this whole conversation. He mistakenly gets them to assume that they need to call their big city slams, Mm -hmm. which is not going to help their problem. No. This conversation can be helpful, even if I feel like on one end, he's trying to be manipulative in one way. Uh They're not getting it in a whole other way. But in the middle, somewhere could be an answer. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like, hey, notice that you're, you're sad. What could help? Maybe you could talk to Katie, but that's so over their emotional head. Yeah. You could talk to Katie. You could maybe try to date someone else, but they immediately go to hook up side piece booty call. Like the quick fix. Yeah. Which is not a fix. <laughs> I don't, I won't jump ahead, but yeah, it's not a fix. It may, it'll make you feel good for about five, five minutes. minutes. Five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> just under five minutes. Oh my gosh. And then they're just like bumming again. But anyway... I love that they're so used to doing ninja dust and split running that they... They just did it. It was just natural. (laughs) When they go to run away, Glenn's like, oh, that didn't go well or whatever. Uh But then he said, worth it. I think getting to sit there and eat ice cream and be in the middle of them was worth it to Mm, him. Feel that. Yeah. Worth it. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) That's a really beautiful area that they're sitting in, too. I wonder where that's at in Sudbury. I don't know. I love that with the lake behind them and stuff. I love water and nature. We'll have to add that to our stop. We can't. If if there's ice cream there, heck yeah, we'll add it to our stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's going to be on the foodie stop. Yay. It's been decided. So quick update. And I, I will totally forget this by the time what's the scoop comes around. So I'm going to mention it now. <laughs> I always keep a check in on the Canadian border and when or if it's going to open up to the U.S. anytime soon. Oh, yeah. It's been confirmed that it'll be closed at least until, I, I believe they said July 24th or 21st. So it, probably July at least. That's like the next date they've scooted it out to. Mm-hmm. But from what I understand, they're in talks to get it open again like as soon as they possibly can. And they're waiting on, I think, like 75% vaccination on both sides before they open it back up because what are we at like a quarter right now i'm not sure and i think canada is actually behind us really yeah and i don't know that for sure i just got that vibe because i saw you know instagram different posts and it looks like they're all shooting again and from the comments and stuff on the article that they had up it seemed that people were kind of pissed because it seemed like 
there was still a lockdown and oh, like maybe they, were they like, shouldn't be shooting yet yeah uh. and it seemed like maybe people had gotten the first one or kind of started getting it but not quite there yet so i don't know if you know anything about that you can correct me but it's i that's just the vibe i got from the comments in on the article well at least canadian people are being like hey maybe you shouldn't be shooting yet i was gonna say them being behind us struck me as odd just because so many americans tend to be like no freedom yeah Yeah. you know but whatever like i think just schedule wise maybe they are but probably not like progressively mindset (laughs) not not because they're anti-vax yeah Yeah. i think people are wanting it i just they just haven't all right i gotcha i got that makes more sense yeah so stubborn americans do you have anything else on that running off to the big city slams Uh, no (laughs) try the calamari boys maybe i don't know maybe they could they've tried a bunch of different stuff so (laughs) then we go back and gail is pumped because she's got another stud to offer the book burger breeders that seemed they had kind of strange names yeah named kelly kelly it's another human name (laughs) and gail warns that if it doesn't work out with kelly then stormy's basically scraping the bottom of the barrel with what she's gonna have options wise this one's coming from arva all right, so this is just another breeder that she knows. I did put that Ferda Dairy is as bad as Gale in this episode because she runs up all limbs flailing about, and he passes gas in both from both directions, and Gale almost like compliments him on it, yeah. and he almost like flirts with her about it. That's the moment That's, I was like, I wonder. Yeah, I if, wonder if they could go together yeah. as a couple. There is almost it is kind of flirtatious in like the grossest over the grossest thing all i wrote down about that was dairy Herda. yeah <laughs> Herda. dairy like yes this was this was the part where i was like megan's just gonna hate him this episode because like i think he annoys you a little bit more than he annoys me and he yeah. was annoying to me in this episode it's so. just i think it's even worse because i i saw how smart he funny could he be, could the be the potential there and it felt like he regressed so much for yeah. this season uh, and sometimes i feel like he still can be like little beats yeah but it's this gross character seems to have taken over at least for this season i don't i don't feel like i always find him this replacement. i don't think so either and that's probably another reason i am so annoyed is that what who is this not my dairy (laughs) so kelly buckberger i'm just gonna call it that that works it's coming from arva and i looked up arva because i was thinking if we're using listwell as the letter kitty reference area i wonder how far away it would be from Listowel and how far it'd be from the U.S. It's an hour away from Listowel and it's an hour away from the U.S. That's a long way to drive a dog to see if it will hook up. It is. That would be annoying for me if I was the breeder. Especially if it didn't work and you're you're driving it knowing it's already like a temperamental dog. Yeah, that's a waste of time. (laughs) Wayne is so sad when Gail's like, she doesn't accept this one. She's scraping the bottom of the barrel afterwards trying to find a mate. And he says, oh, bother. And it reminded yeah. me of Pooh Bear. <laughs> <laughs> he does a weird, very slow get up. I feel like he might know that Stormy's probably not going to. Like, he's almost resigned himself to defeat. I really want this dog to breed because she's so beautiful. And she'd have such pretty puppies. And he, I think he's starting to, like, realize that this it's might not happen. Yeah. I wrote down that I felt like he was starting to feel very akin to Stormy. She can't tied find to love her. Neither can yes. I. We can't find love. And oh. it's just like, 
Well, Stormy's actively not trying to find love. Wayne is <laughs> trying to find love. Yeah, he's um, at least not trying to to kill the the people that aren't working out for him. <laughs> but it just made me a little sad when I yeah. thought of it in that context. There's this is the start of the recycled dialogue. Like it just hits the same beats. And then the next scene later on, we get to it. It's a super. It's like mm-hmm. we're almost word for word the same as the very beginning when we're at the produce stand. And the only reason it probably bothers me is because I've watched the episode three times in the past two days. So that's You're like probably, I'm tired of hearing this. <laughs> it's like we get it. You said that five minutes ago, and that's all I have for for that that's, one. Yeah, that's let's, all I've got. Let's see. Let's give it a go, as they say. And then we cut back to Riley. Jonesy and Glenn. And I love that they stay together through this whole episode. Yeah, I like that too, because they're not people who you would think would hang out, Mm -hmm. but I really think that they complement each other in this particular episode. I agree. Riley, Jonesy, and Glenn are waiting in the parking lot. They see Katie and her agent exiting the arena. The agent wants to sign her as a client, take her to the big city. (laughs) They're happy to see her, and she smiles at them, but then their big city slams show up at the worst moment possible, and Katie sees them, and she's disappointed, and she leaves. Because she does smile at them and wave when her and the agent walk out, and they say, he says, hey, Katie Cat. Hi, Katie. Like, it's sweet and kind of cute. It is. And the way she smiles at them, it made me think she might be up for starting back up, talking to him again. It was hopeful. It was. There's that familiarity and that comfort and like, hey, you know, you guys are kind of idiots, but I I did like you. This could happen again. Especially after having Stuart, who is very little kiddish in a different way than they are. They're more like goofy kind of juvenile where he was more like emotionally. Yeah, like not emotionally mature mind games kind of juvenile. And I said she, she could be up for it. Until Wedge Sandals got out of the the car. (laughs) And I will say, I love Wedge Sandals. There's no hate on her sandals, but they pull up and they are, I mean, that one is like an Amazon. She's so tall. They run in those bad boys. I don't know how. Or maybe it's just a slow motion pretend run. Yeah, it was slow-mo. And they run up to her and Katie's just like, hmm, all right, and walks off. And again, I feel like... This is Katie not being overly emotional about things. Like, it's not going to break her heart and make her cry, but she is going to be like, you idiots. This is why we aren't together. She proved herself right here. Mm -hmm. I'm a super cynic. (laughs) And I am very much... Like, we need to move in a couple weeks. I still haven't packed a lot because I don't know why I feel like I'm jinxing it. (laughs) Like, actually packing might make it not. We are under contract to both sell our house and buy our new house in, like, two weeks. And I won't pack because Uh. I'm just like, something's going to go wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. It's just bananas. I am so cynical. But when you see their happiness, when they see Katie and they're waving, and they're like, oh, yay, and they see that she's happy to see them, and then their face drops the second that that little bug pulls up. They are bummed and they are embarrassed. They are. You can tell that they almost have some shame over what they've done. Because it was a bad decision. They shouldn't have done it. And then it blew up really in their faces because it happened right as soon as Katie happened to be yeah. there and walked out. I almost feel like saying that that's what you get. And that's I the hate it, but yes, judgmental it part of me coming out. Because I want them all together right? in this weird thruple, but I get it. <laughs> we love the thruple. I feel like the second that happened is when they realized, oh, shoot, we don't miss just the hookups. We miss the relationship. Yeah, I can't speak for everybody, but it seems that 
often the majority of people feel like a hookup will mask the pain of not having that bond with somebody. I mean, that's why rebounds are a thing because it's like an instant gratification. It's not a lasting yeah. thing. And they, they miss Katie. Yeah. And they miss having that lasting thing. When these girls run to them, they're almost like cringing away from mm-hmm. them at that point. Because like, they're like, oh, shoot, what did I do? What did I do? Yeah. And it's like that realization hits them. It just hits them too late. But they're so stupid. And again, this is just like a serves them right. But they don't learn from their mistakes. And I want to thump them in the head for it. Because they instantly feel bad about what they've done. But that doesn't stop them from going through with things. Yeah. It's just so frustrating. Come on, guys. I did love this girl's leather shorts, except for the fact that, I mean, they were up her ass, but mm-hmm. if they were like a scotch longer. The tall girl. The tall girl. Also. See, I liked the little short girls, I, which. I, 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 I liked her outfit better, but I love leather. <laughs> Something we know about Megan now. <laughs> And then I like their tattoos. Like, they were cute girls. It's just, it's not what they needed. It's not what they wanted, really. They had a certain vibe to them that makes you kind of feel like, oh, these aren't country girls. Like, they are from from a bigger city than Letterkenny. Did they ever say before how long it takes to drive from the city? I had that thought. No. They don't, because they don't ever say what city it is. They just call them big city slams. Because in the next scene that they're in, that was my thought was... That long of a drive for five minutes? that far for five minutes, and you didn't even get yours. I was going to say, they should have at least gotten something. Right? Right? These guys are hot and all, but never in a million years would I drive for five minutes for them. Sorry, no. No, sorry. Not for that, no. Also, why didn't they just park closer to these guys? They parked super far away in front of the door, which is, I'm sure... Not a parking spot. Not a parking spot. And they run to them in high heels. I get that it was just for the slow-mo shot. And that's true because I hadn't thought about that previously, but they could have parked right next to their Jeep. Like, literally, they're parked in a parking lot, park right next to them. Well, (laughs) maybe they're on the same level as Riley and Jonesy. Maybe these are the equivalent, the female equivalent of Riley and Jonesy. Could be. I wonder if these are Sudbury girls that were cast. Because, I mean, they don't have speaking lines. So, one girl had a cheek kiss, which for Riley, which is fine. And then this other girl, I feel like she was taking her role really seriously. She was like getting up on Andrew. <laughs> Take your chance, girl. I thought she was cuter. I liked her outfit more and I loved her shoes. I liked yes. them a whole lot better than the other girl's shoes. But for some reason, when they made their way all the way to them, I looked at the tall girl, I think because she was so much taller than Riley. And she's the one that gave the kiss on the cheek. So I didn't notice what the other the girl, other girl was, doing. was just on his arm, but oh. she kind of hiked her leg up a Ooh. little bit. And I was like, take your shot, girl. There you go. No speaking lines. I'm going to make this roll count. (laughs) (laughs) I'm at least going to have a good time. (sighs) And that kind of hurt my feelings for Katie, too. It was one of those ones where I think she knew that she had made the right decision in breaking up with them. For being a thruple, she wished they could have been better partners. So she didn't have to break up with them for obvious reasons. But that kind of makes it obvious for her again, that was the right decision. And we'll see this later on. But in this situation, I feel like when she was considering maybe, and we don't know this for sure, but possibly considering at least hanging out with them Mm -hmm. again, I think them knowing she knows all their sly little plays would help with honesty in the relationship. Honesty. And at least, I don't even know that Katie would be upset if you just say, hey, like, I think I might want a big city slam when I go, like, when I go into town. Would that be okay? Or I feel like you're correct in that. I feel like Katie could be open to having a semi-open relationship 
as long as you're honest about it, I think the honesty goes a long way with her yeah. more than the monogamy. Just She's like obviously what? dating two guys at once anyway. Just be upfront about what you're doing. Upfrontness is a big thing with me. I would rather you just tell me something upfront and to be hurt by the truth than to find out that you lied. People find out when you lied to them. It's so much more devastating to find out a big lie rather than your feelings be a little bit hurt about the truth that you get in the moment. I'd rather have that. 137% agree with you on that. We're about to go on a small tangent. (laughs) So I'm going to tell you. (laughs) Tell me, girl. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I told you about the Gilmore Guys podcast I'm listening to. And I'm rewatching a few episodes. And there's a particular scene. I don't know if you remember character names and such, but Emily finds out that Richard has been having lunch every year since they've been married with his old girlfriend. I had forgotten all about it and my heart broke for her. And I listened to the podcast. And again, these are two single guys and this was 20, it's old. Like I'm listening to old podcast episodes. So it's like 2016, 2017. Mm -hmm. And like they, they didn't like the dishonesty, but they didn't really get the big deal so much. I get the big deal. And I get the big deal. One, it's the lie. You feel betrayed by the lie, but then you feel betrayed and angry about the action. It's a double whammy. They're both bad. And it's just hurt upon hurt upon hurt because it it's been up. years. Mm. It's been decades this has been going and on. And that's the kind of thing, especially if you feel like you're in a happy relationship, that makes you question your whole relationship can i believe anything that you have said because you've been so comfortable lying to me this long why should i think that anything else was truthful exactly it does it calls everything into question i think i've probably posted it on my facebook (laughs) it's a mental image of grab a plate throw it on the ground the plate breaks tell it that you're sorry does it go back to how it was before no it doesn't there's always going to be a lasting effect from being lied to that just is and I feel they did walk it back a little bit on that podcast. They were like, okay, well, I do see. Like, they saw that it was a problem, mm-hmm. but they didn't see the big deal. It almost knocks the wind out of you, that feeling of betrayal. You feel gaslit because. Yeah. Like you said, it calls everything into question. You know, I've been cheated on in the past. It makes you guarded about everything else moving forward yeah. yes you have that shield it's a protective yeah. thing and it's not fair because it makes everyone in the future they have to work so much harder and yeah. it's not it's their not, fault it's not even nate has said to me i'm not seth i'm not your dad because i have i mean i've got issues with my dad's a piece of murder. I, th- I think a lot of people can relate to that but it is harder for nate now because i have so many yeah. issues from my past yeah. on being let down feeling betrayed being hurt I just wanted to get your take on that because I, <laughs> oh, I remember no. I remember listening to it thinking, that's the wrong answer. <laughs> I've got so much to say about that. I've no. got so much time for well, that. And like you said, these are two single guys. So, I mean, they even are. if they don't have... And, and like I said, they, they started out that way and then they walked it back. They were like, again, we don't know because we're not in that situation. And we do see that it is a problem. The problem isn't the lunch. The problem is the, the not, not knowing, tell, yeah. the not telling. And to me, omitting something like that is a lie. Going out of your way to not tell your spouse something or your partner or whatever something, you are hiding something. You are hiding. And if you feel the need to hide something, then it's not You right. know yeah. that you're not doing something right. Something about what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. I got you. Exactly. 
exactly. you know is in the wrong. I feel like that could have been something. Okay, so we're still talking about Gilmore Girls, but they were kind of high society, upper class people. If he was to have a lunch with another woman, I don't think she would mind if he said, oh, I'm having lunch with so-and-so on Tuesday, hiding it from her. And then also the longevity with which it was happening. Yeah. Because that's like her whole life, her yeah. whole marriage, her whole person. It, it knocks the wind out of you. And he had been going out of town to have these lunches. Anyway, we can't yeah, get off yeah. on the Gilmore Girls episode, <laughs> but I just needed to get that from you, Josh. That this episode, is all probably going to be cut out, so sorry about that. That topic gets me riled. <laughs> so, anyway, then we get back to... Where were we? <laughs> goodness gracious. We get back to Gail again, and this is the time where... We find out that she's got another option for Stormy. She's going to be brought down from Tobermory by her cousin in, I guess, like a few hours. It's actually, How far is that I was going to say, I, wanted, I looked it up because I wondered what in theoretical letter Kenny Land it would be. Two and a half hours from Listowell. It's four hours away from the U.S. Well, still two That's and a half hours. It's a long, a long time. Way. That's five hours for your day. Trip, yeah. yeah. And then Daryl suggests that they hoover Sneef <laughs> while waiting. <laughs> and Wayne is just like, I feel like you all have been building up to this. Yeah. I've kind of figured out that you've wanted to do some Sneef. have been building towards it. They're talking about the dog. And it said Wayne is so against naming dogs human names. But they're talking about this dog like it's a per- person like oh he sounds like a good guy sounds like a good guy Real good guy. Like, hard worker no bullshit strong silent type it's so funny like she's describing wayne if wayne was a dog and then they're like oh he sounds like a really good guy like it's a dog it's okay if his name is ken if you're talking about him like this <laughs> did uh, she say his name is this... i don't think she did i think I... she just said that this dog's like she said, this dog's different. Probably or, for the best. I feel like you've been building up to wanting to hoover do, some sneak. Yeah, yeah, just do some drugs. For a while. And Dan's talking about he used to. And when he calls, he's like, you were a DJ when you did. It's been a long time. And he says, I was skinny. Yeah. And I love that defense. Because <laughs> it's true. I mean, I don't know from personal experience because that's not one I've ever tampered with. But I've heard that it peps you up a lot. And therefore, yeah. you are pretty slender <laughs> if that's your sneef of choice when gail runs up for this scene though she almost eats it did you see yeah, that I, I, I wondered if that was just like almost a actual like, like if she actually problem. tripped kind yes. of thing i was like i oh, know she's going down and then wayne's still trying to change the verbiage the terminology he's trying his best he's trying he's trying to make it happen it's so it just seems so out of character for him i don't know it just seems like spoiled kid that's not getting his way it also seems strange to me that he has input this opinion a few times and the rest of them are kind of just ignoring him yeah he's normally like the center of attention yeah, he, he's not normally the ignored one but it's normally I, dairy yeah and so then he brings up another word i don't know if you know the word i'm talking about because i wasn't sure if it bothered you i was going to ask you if it bothered you i don't you. think so I watched it three times and I can't think of what you're meaning. Oh, okay. So he says, it's like that word queef. And I know a lot of people strongly dislike that word. And I didn't know if you had any strong feelings on it. I'm not going to use it on my day to day. (laughs) But it doesn't super bother me. I don't know. It doesn't bother you to hear. Just not one that you would say. All right. Fair enough. But he's trying his best to to make it happen. God, he is. He does. I don't want to say desperate. (sighs) 
or needy, he just seems a little more aggravating this episode yeah, than Wayne. He's taking on is. some dairy personality in this right? episode. It's really strange. And kind of annoying. And I'm not used to being annoyed by Wayne. I'm not either. Even when the times that I like I disagree with him or I'm like, oh Wayne, you could do better. Outright thinking that he's annoying, I haven't really yeah, and I don't normally feel that way towards him. But yeah. this episode a little bit. He didn't start off strong in this episode either. Yeah. Hating on a six-year-old. He's yeah. six, man. And he kind of maintains that throughout. I did a little kind of weird math here. I guess not really math, but Dan's talking about doing Schneef in a Pontiac on the way to Saurus Fest. <laughs> and so oh, it started out with like, okay, what's Saurus Fest? Yeah, so it what? was a benefit concert in Toronto. It sounds like they're celebrating SARS, but it's it's a benefit concert for the disease oh. to raise money for it, apparently. It was in Toronto in 2003. So at the time, it would have been, I guess, 13 years ago. So he's doing Schneef. And if, if I'm generous, we're going to call him 26. Dan? Yes. Because that math doesn't work, but we're going to call him 26, right? So if I... Tell him that he could be 26, maybe 27. He's 13 or, 13 14, or 14 on the way to this thing. How old did you say he was in real life? He's 40, exactly. 40, okay. So when was this? 2016, five years ago. He'd have been 35. That's a little, he'd have been, what, 22? Yeah, but I, in the but context of the, of the show. He's supposed to play younger yes, in the show than he is in real life. Because remember, we're pretending that Wayne is like, 24 24 yeah. yeah so i was giving him a generous 26 maybe 27 in the world well, of the I show mean, even if you gave him a super generous supposed to be 30 he'd still only be 17 that's true which is still not okay <laughs> yeah i guess what i I'm mean saying i don't know is okay at any age all but... schneef doing yeah back in his glory days of 13 <laughs> when he was skinny <laughs> yeah what <laughs> It's not as hard when you're a 13-year-old schneefhead. <laughs> he said he did it off Jan Arden's charcuterie board. So she's a Canadian actress and singer who sang songs such as Could I Be Your Girl and Insensitive, which I've never heard of either of those songs. So is he hanging out with this famous singer? I'm wondering and... if this was at SARS Fest backstage. Oh, because she's a singer. Yes. At a benefit concert. Interesting. Good thought process, And I'm just put charcuterie schneef question <laughs> i would be very upset because i love charcuterie right like that's a waste of some meat and cheese and olives and then the last one he says he did schneef off theodore tugboat's hat and theodore tugboat was a canadian cartoon about a tugboat with a little red baseball cap that had adventures about exploring feelings fairness and friendship so like the brave little toaster or something for us but a tugboat but yes a tugboat. and that was i got all that off of just wikipedia but that seems inappropriate very inappropriate squirrely dan maybe if you're a 13 year old yes <laughs> sorry coronation that was so funny i love that gail says this dog's different strong silent type hard worker noble Herda. god do it right like gail that's uh. my favorite that last little bit's my favorite part <laughs> I think that's the part that I had, like, omitted <laughs> from my brain. Oh, gosh. Gail, you have no shame. And that's it for that scene. Then we jump back to the basement, unless you had anything else. I feel like we're kind of dragging so We've had a lot of stuff happen. This has been an unusual... Well, has it been an unusual episode, or is this how our episodes have gone is it before? Been a, or is this just it's a just, normal show? This is just how it is. More has happened More externally. More has happened this episode, as far as distractions. distractions yes. 
distractions. So we jump back to Stuart, and he's waking up from a long sleep because he did dry rips of melatonin. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's very to me. fitting, and I love that. Uh, the skids describe all the video games that they've been playing since he's been asleep, and then Devin pledges to help him get Katie back, which was super sweet. It was, especially for as much as you know he hates her, but he can see how how much Stuart is hurting. Stuart put me in my feelings in this scene because he did you see the teardrop? No, I missed the teardrop. He just, when he's telling Devin, I'm sad, he has a full-on tear. And I wanted to know... If he actually cried. If it was, yeah, is this a real tear? Because, dang, it is, it's a sad one. It made my heart hurt for him. (laughs) I put melatonin dry rips. Jesus. That's hardcore because he's been sleeping for a while, I guess. And people and, also sleep when they're kind of depressed. Yeah, that it's lack of energy. Yeah. yeah. And then when he does get up, he asks to play Super Mario Brothers 2. He goes off on a rant like, about who wants to play that, that piece game. of trash. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is not the game you play if you like actually playing games. Which, and that's when he's like, oh, you're really messed up, yeah, aren't you? <laughs> like that's his, his realization of. Man, you are depressed. This has done a number on you. And then they all hug, and Roll gets in behind him and, and, and joins in this hug. He says, is that the Duck Hunter gun? And he says, it's called an NES Zapper, but no. And he looks so creepy when he laughs. It's the creepiest. Roll is great with creepy laughs. He does the best creepy laugh and creepy grin. He's so... He's perfect. That's all I have for that. <laughs> when they're talking just right before that, Dev says, we're going to get you to 100. And they I say, hate how they say 100. it. And I was like, why Yeah. this? But they're referencing a song. Uh, Stuart says 0 to 100. They're referencing a song called 0 to 100, The Ketchup. And it's by Drake, who's Canadian. Oh, okay. Does so, he say 100 the way that they are saying 100? I can't even say I it think like that. <laughs> I can't. I can't bring myself to do it. I'm such a gangster. <laughs> <laughs> Word. <laughs> anyway, I think he does in that in that song. Megan so. and I live a thug life. In case anybody didn't notice, that is totally our lifestyle. <laughs> I thought it was weird too when they like go to hug. I mean, it's sweet that they're hugging, but it that, was like a kiss almost, but not. You they know, they have some of the weirdest sexual tension on this whole show when Devin gets in there with Stuart it is a weird palpable sexual tension it which is fine me- but it just seems strange because it's like they don't address it for whatever reason no, I, mean, I don't they know they talk about how Rold is gay yeah. and they have no problem with it but I mean obviously Stuart is yeah. devastated about Katie and I always kind of felt like Devin was more like asexual like he just didn't have yeah. other than for Stuart I guess sexual feelings for anybody it is sweet that they're finally being good friends but it sucks that this has to happen like they have to actually see him break down and not be functional for them to decide to be good friends and help him with Katie then we jumped over to the hockey players who decide they miss Katie even though for the last four and a half minutes they've been getting a blowy and a squeezer from their big city slams and that's what I mean. You regretted your decision. You knew you, it was the wrong decision to make to get what you actually wanted. And you still went through with it. And also, these girls driving God knows how long to give a blowjob and then... Four and a half minutes. Leave and go back. Girl, at least get yours. We don't know if that involved cleanup time. <sighs> Where did, Where did this, this happen? happen? Glenn's on top of the car. They're in the middle of an empty parking lot. Did they go over to like the woods or something? Did they go in the arena? Maybe. Because Glenn does ask him like, where have you been? So I guess they were at least out of eye shot. Because I feel like Glenn would have tried to 
watch had they been within eyeshot, but... Yeah, probably. Glenn points out that Katie wouldn't want to date them, and Wayne wouldn't want them dating his sister, and they interpret this as they've got to go through Wayne to get Katie back, and they're reinvigorated, and Glenn is exasperated, and he gives up trying to convert them, and it literally says convert them in here, <laughs> and he recites the Lord's Prayer while he smokes a cigarette. Glenn going like, Lord, I tried. Lord knows I tried. Over and over again before he starts the Lord's Prayer is hilarious to me. I don't understand our boy's logic. To get Katie back, we have to go through Wayne, because Wayne didn't stand in their way before. The reason that Katie's not with you is your own stupid decisions, basically. But for some reason, they get it in their heads that they've got to go fight Wayne to get Katie back. I feel like they're grasping for a solution. How can I fix it? How can I fix it? They're not doing the work that's involved emotionally to figure out what the problem is. I also feel like they're unwilling to see that they may be the problem. If we can put the blame on something else... It doesn't have to be our fault kind of thing. I feel like men also tend to look for an external viable fix. For example, when I talk to Josh, sometimes I'll just vent and he wants to provide a solution, but it's not about that. You just need to vent. Yes. And I feel like a lot of guys, and that that might be sexist. I don't mean to be sexist about it, but just in in my personal experience, Mm -hmm. guys want to try to fix a thing. And I get that too. It helps them feel control over that situation they can come up with a tangible solution then it's a solution but sometimes you just need to vent about something i love how unenthused they are about this blowy and squeezer they're just like ferda yeah it's something that you feel like will be an instant fix but doesn't bring you any actual gratification or joy i guess at that point katie had already seen their big city slam so they were like well we might as well go ahead and get something out of it which isn't a great way to be, but... Yeah, no. Let's see, and Katie and I are pretty different in how we view relationships, but if that had been me as Katie, knowing they had done that anyway mm-hmm. would have pissed me off more and yes. like made it even less likely that a get-back-together was going to happen. Because I, I agree. I love that they're sitting there and it glitz on top of the Jeep, and when he's saying, you know, if I'm Katie, I don't want to date you, and they go, bro! <laughs> bro! <laughs> like, they're offended. Yeah. And I just thought it was super cute. They're like, dude, but we're us. Yeah. Why would she not want to date us? Because again, they can't see that they may be the problem. Their actions and decisions and continued bad decisions may be the problem, but they don't want to admit that. They want to think that it's something else. And this is bananas because they are going to try to fight Wayne. Like that is bananas. Even two on one, which you know it wouldn't be two on one because Dan and Zary would come to his defense as Mm -hmm. well. Even two-on-one, I don't feel like they would win. Nope. I feel like they are both strong young men. I feel like they both could be capable fighters. I think that they would lose. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that is just a factual Uh, statement. (laughs) I do love it when they pop up, they're saying, Ferdy Katie Cat. And then they do the Ninja Dust thing again, and they run in separate directions. But they do it so Ninja Dust. Like, Like, this is our thing we have to do. Yes. Oh, they're so, they're so into it. And Glenn's tried so hard to just get through to them in a way, and it has just failed all day. And when he's talking to them, and they're like, I think I get what you're saying, buddy. And Glenn's like, no, you don't. No. It's like, no, I think, I think I know what you're getting at. And he goes, Jonesy, you definitely don't know what I'm getting at. But last time he was the one that was catching on to Katie's stuff. So they're just flipping them back and forth. While Glenn's saying the Lord's Prayer. We get the montage. Yes. And 
I made note that Katie's a light packer. Yeah. She's packing to go with her agent to whatever big city to do this modeling talent show kind of thing. She has two small bags. And that was strange to me for somebody who, in Letterkenny, she's always wearing a tank top and jean shorts. But if she's going to try to be a model, you would think she would have one more clothes, but two also makeup and hair products and things of that nature. It just seemed like a very small amount to me. And granted, I tend to be an overpacker, but it just seemed like that wasn't enough. That was a super cute outfit, though. It was. That's... That was one of the ones that I thought of when you said earlier she had a cute outer shirt on. Yeah. I really liked her. Her white cover-up yeah, thing. Yeah. It was super cute. It was like a lace mm-hmm. thing. I was like, oh, look, they got a budget for some clothes. Yeah, that was super cute. <laughs> okay, I think this is a reused shot of Riley and Jonesy running up the stairs because they're running in their blue jackets. And if you remember, so the last episode, they're in their blue jackets also. And it's at the party at the end. And that's the only scene in that episode that they're in their blue jackets. So I'm thinking... <laughs> they did a lot of filming in the blue jackets. <laughs> yes. Then. It just feels like it's cut weird. Mm. And I also am wondering about if this was also the same day that they did the shooting for the party. Because everybody here plus Jim was at the party. Maybe. Just kind of yeah. like, even though they're two different episodes, yeah. we could just go ahead and film like this the all at the same days. time. Yeah. yeah. I'm wondering if that's set up that way. I don't know. Just a thought that I had, because I noticed, because the blue jackets were just, just kind of a random thing, and it just felt like a weird B-roll cut for them to be running upstairs. Yeah, because they're not wearing them when they're with Glenn, and then they're not wearing them when they get to the produce stand. And they didn't wear them the entire episode until the party. It was <laughs> stuck in my head. love that Glenn's saying the Lord's Prayer while smoking it's kind of an artsy shot where it's like angling up at him and then pans up they have a few artistic kind of shots in this episode it's a cool little song which i did not write this one down but it just like it worked for the montage and then we finally go back to the produce stand i think this is the last scene of the entire episode at the produce stand dan and daryl discuss places they've done schneef when the hockey players show up and they challenge wayne to a fight and wayne is skeptical he doesn't even care i put wayne's demeanor he's so calm they screech up and he says why don't you get a rake and clean up that mess you made or tidy up that gravel and they keep going and they're like screaming at him you know they start to take their shirts off and stuff and he says that tone is unhelpful and like he's still so calm he's sitting down and then he says are you high and he's still super calm which is a easy like a great question because why would they be doing this they take their shirts off and they're like oh and he's well he says something else i forgot to write that one down he's like if i remember correctly that's what you guys do before a fight and they're like we're gonna get katie back and we're gonna go through you and then he stands up. He's like, and he's okay. ready to go. Like, yeah. He goes from zero to, uh, I can't say 100. <laughs> I can't do it really quick. And they said they're going to fight him to get Katie back. And he says, unnecessary as of five minutes ago, because Katie's getting in the car with this other guy to leave. But now make sure your shoelaces are tied. They've pissed him off now. And he's about to beat them out of their shoes. Yeah. He thinks... When they come up that they are either confused or high because why would they be doing this? Right. Because again, like we discussed just a second ago, it makes no sense, no logical sense, that they would feel the need to fight Wayne to get Katie back. He's confused because their logic is not sound. No, not at all. And then it's like they don't even notice that Katie's leaving behind (laughs) them. Yeah, she has to walk right past them. (laughs) 
paying no mind to that. When they take their shirts off to fight, Wayne, the agent in the background, has his phone out. And it looks like he's taking <laughs> pictures of them. I didn't notice that. Yeah. I knew I saw him standing by the car. But I didn't notice him taking pictures of her boys. That makes sense. <laughs> and even Dan's like, bye, Katie. And they still are oblivious. <laughs> and Katie's getting into the car. And I'm pretty sure she hasn't drove away yet. And then Stuart rides Stuart up on his shows bike. Up. And I wonder if they had to have stunt coordination for that hot X Games shot that they did. Oh, my God. He goes, air. <laughs> And then Devin comes up behind him and goes, ramped. It's like an inch and a half. <laughs> it's the tiniest little thing. It almost probably went into the ground a little bit more, even when they <laughs> rolled over top of it. Oh my gosh. Air! But that is perfect, and I loved every second of that little scene. That was hilarious. Was Stuart going to try to fight Wayne, too? Or does he just come back to like make a declaration of love for Katie? Yes, he probably came in knowing that it was going to be a fight because how much Wayne hates him. So when he made that declaration, he probably hoped to get to Katie first, but knowing that he was likely going to have to go through Wayne, if I had to guess. I feel like he would think more of it like taking a beat down and then just like okay let's get this over with you can beat me up and then i'm gonna go to katie whereas the hockey players are like we're gonna actively fight you he's like all right just beat me up and then i'll go find katie yeah i don't know i mean him and Devin were gonna fight tannis uh the end of season one i'm not sure hmm. i wonder in this situation as wayne says later there's a line Who's fighting who, uh, what time? Because I would be confused at the order of who's getting beat up and when. Maybe that's why it was so organized on the res when they had the native flu. Like, <laughs> this is why we organize our fights so well. So there's no confusion. Gail even got up there like she was going to join in the she, fight. She's scrappy. I bet she would join in. I feel like she'd fight everybody, though. She wouldn't really have a purpose. Yeah, she wouldn't have a side. She'd just be in there swinging. So it says Katie, unnoticed by the arguing men, leaves with the agent. Another truck drives up, and Gail's cousin, Rosie, arrives with the stud Stormy. She is Ferda. gorgeous. She's so pretty. And the song, usually you're the one who pays attention to the songs. This song was perfect for this scene. She has such pretty skin. I've always had kind of bigger arms. That's just how I'm built. And so when people have slender arms, I'm naturally like drawn to that and like impressed by it. Yeah. She's beautiful. Everything. She, yeah. She just, she's so pretty. The only thing I didn't like about it. So she gets out and she gets the dog out and she comes up to Wayne. I don't like that. They tried to make her like a female version of Wayne. I wish that she had been more her own person and not just kind of regurgitated all the stuff that he had said previously. Yeah. And I know that was kind of like to make Wayne, other than the initial physical attraction mm -hmm. that he seems to have felt for her, be like, oh, we have kind of the same thought process and are kind of, you know, we're similar. Yeah. I wish they had made her more her own person and not just everything that Wayne yeah. is. I get that. And I have a complicated relationship with Rosie. I love her. <laughs> But I feel like they retcon her really hard when she leaves at one point and then comes back. I mm -hmm. feel like she's a whole new person, like a whole different person. I feel that way. I know what you mean. She seemed more smart and like kind of quiet. Quick with it. Here, she, she's very conservative and like she just, she reads her books and she doesn't mm -hmm. really hang out. So, but I guess we'll get into, we'll get into that, that later. later. But yeah, I, I know uh, what you mean and I agree with you. She's beautiful. 
pressure by milk and bone plays when she's getting out of the truck with the unnamed dog (laughs) the strong silent type dog I just wrote, she's gorgeous and perfect and the best. Yeah. She's just so good. <laughs> and the best. And then, You're the best. And then it's bananas. It's like a sitcom show. We know something crazy is going to... It's not just going it to end just... happy and perfect and everyone's great. Yeah. So, of course, Wayne is immediately attracted to Rosie, but then Angie walks up and says... All I wrote was, fucking Angie, go away. Yes. <laughs> but she just kind of showed up out of nowhere. I guess Gail does that, too. She Everyone kind of pops up, like, materializes out of nowhere. Yeah, it seems like they're out in the country. You would have to drive there to get there, and you don't hear or see another vehicle pull up. She just kind of, like, comes out from behind the person. Like, how stand. did you sneak up on Yeah, this? where did you come from? And go before, back to it. And before any of that can even get established basically before he can even say anything to that wayne receives a call from tannis and all she says is i'm pregnant and then he goes oh oh and then it cuts and i love tannis my girl but she calls him and she's like wayne i'm pregnant and she's got hickeys all over her neck neck, and i had forgotten about this part that they had slept together? Not that they had slept together. I forgot oh, that she, that she calls. ever calls and says that she's pregnant. Like, that had completely slipped my mind. This is a great cliffhanger, though, because yeah. Rosie's what he's been looking for forever. Angie's what he knows. could easily go yeah. back to and knows. And then he's a stand-up guy, so he wouldn't walk away from that. Yeah, he's he made it quite clear that he hates kids. But I feel like if he accidentally got somebody pregnant, he would propose to them. Because, like you said, he would feel like it was, quote-unquote, the, the right, right thing to do yeah (laughs) we're the same person it's crazy but But that's not even i could even see tannis wanting that or being down for that at all i don't think tannis would be and i also feel like she might tell wayne but i don't think that she would want or need him to be any part of it yes i feel like he would feel like he had to be obligated to be but i think she'd be like no off i can do this It's literally just a respect thing that I'm telling you that mm-hmm. this is happening. I don't need or want anything from you. Yeah. And I, I can get that from you. Yeah. I don't want anything from you. I'm just letting you know. And that's so, that, and then it goes to black. And that's it. That's the season finale. Oh my gosh. This is a great season finale for me personally because I feel like I am more invested in the relationship stuff mm-hmm. of the of the series, the silly stuff about like Stormy and uh, I don't know, like the sillier stuff I could take or leave. But I loved ending on this beat because I was like, oh, Herda. now I need to know. Now I watch season three. Yeah. And like you said, it's a good cliffhanger because you don't know what's happening with Wayne or these three women. Katie has left. And then all three of those guys are there still to try to reclaim her. So it does leave a lot of things up in the air for season three. I totally forgot about the thruple for a second. And I was like, three? Oh, yeah. They're two separate people. Riley and Jonesy. <laughs> Riley, Jonesy, and, and Stuart. Stuart. Yes. Okay. So let's rate this episode. On a scale of one to ten, what would you give it? This one higher than the last one. I'd probably give this one a six and a half virgin on seven. I liked it. I thought it was funny. Not perfect. Like, oh, this was the best. But I liked it more than the last episode. Yeah. Okay. I would give this an eight and a half. But... If I could split the episode into two separate parts, (laughs) the first half versus the second half. The first half I would give almost like a five or four, maybe. What if you could split it into Stormy's plot line, hockey player's plot line? I actually think it would take away from both, for me, honestly. It's the combination of, I love Riley and Jonesy. I was invested in that the entire time. I got progressively more invested, and then... 
the weighing stuff, I was super not invested in until the very last second. <laughs> and then I was very, very invested. And then it's like, oh my God, what happened? Yes. So I would oh, say I'd right. give that an eight and a half. And I'm going to give Gail a negative three because keep your fingers out of your mouth. <laughs> I will say Gail going off about Stormy was funny. So we'll just give her a zero for this her, one. We'll her jerky motions and her belligerent <laughs> anger is really funny. I do respect that. Like, I've got to give it up to her. She's doing she's, it all. She's doing it. <laughs> it might not always be what we like, but she is doing it, It might not be God. the it you want, but it's the it that... She gives. She, <laughs> she gives it hard. <laughs> okay. I just have one last thing. I've got, what's the scoop? What's the scoop? And it's kind of a cool thing. So... Melanie Scrafano, and I'm probably not pronouncing that right, but I'm just going to say it with confidence. There you go. She won the Canadian Screen Award. It was the Audience Choice Award. It was not for Letterkenny. She won for Winona Earp. That's Mrs. McMurray. Yes, Mrs. McMurray. This is the last season of Winona Earp. This is the fourth season, and... I guess this last one they put out in 2021 is the last one. So, okay. But it got wildly popular, and I believe they've been nominated for several Canadian Screen Awards, but this was the first one that she had won, I believe. So I was like, yay, Mrs. McMurray, I'm proud of you. you. Then Rosie was in a movie called The Happy Place, and the only reason I found that is I was going through the Canadian Screen Award nominations and stuff, and there's a big poster of her... I guess she's the lead in this movie called A Happy Place, and it was so good it was nominated for a screen award. Huh, I've not heard of that, but it's a Canadian movie? Canadian movie, when yeah. When did it come out? This year then? It, uh, 2020. And then I just had the list of what Letterkenny was nominated for. It was nominated for stunt coordination. <laughs> With all those pulled punches, really? <laughs> yeah. Best comedy series, which it did not win. Mm. Shit's Creek, obviously. Well, Shit's Creek got, okay, swept. That's, that's fine with me. Yeah. If they're going to lose to somebody... For Best Comedy, that's deserved to go to Shit's Creek. <laughs> they got nominated for Best Photography, Best Picture Editing, Best Achievement in Casting, which they do have great casting. Yeah, they did a good job for that. And then Best Lead Actor was uh, Wayne. But did any of those win? No wins. Aww. I know. I was bummed for them. Well, if he was nominated for Best Actor, that probably means Dan Levy was too. Yeah, and, and that, Eugene. It's hard to beat. It's not a duo I would want to go up against because both of them are gold. He might be the toughest guy, but he's not going to beat Dan Levy and no. Eugene Levy. I loved him in Schitt's Creek, though. How like elegant and refined he is. And what a thoughtful dad he is. Yeah, there are times when he's still Eugene Cringy. Levy. Yeah, yeah, but I loved him in that show. Total tangent. Sorry, Letter Kenny. My heart also goes out for Shit's Creek. Well, that's going to have to be our next podcast, obviously, because we can't stop talking about it. Yeah, we bring it up almost every episode. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and so the next episode is a special holiday episode that they kind of tacked on to the end of season two. It's the St. Patrick's Day episode. St. Patty's Day bonus. But you might have to be patient with us. We're not sure if we're going to be in transit slash moving or not. So yeah, just try to keep up with us on Facebook. Again, I'm going to post the voice message option for Anchor tomorrow on our Facebook if you want to leave us some feedback on there. And I guess just check back with us next time and we'll celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Woo-woo, St. Patrick's Day in June. So we'll see you then. Bye. Ninja dust.
Thanks again for listening to Not My Forte, a super soft podcast. Information is pulled for this episode from letterkenny.fandom.com, as well as Megan and Amber's notes. Music for these episodes is provided by Mark Wallach, and that song is called Rattle and Shake. If you have any questions about this episode, or any comments or insights on this episode or future episodes, feel free to email us at casualjosh0 at gmail.com. That's casualjosh, the number zero, at gmail.com. And remember to put not my forte in the subject line.